Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast today. I'm with someone I didn't think I would invite a year ago, but I am really interested to hear what he's going to say. And today I'm with Charles Float. How's it going, Charles? It's going very well, thank you. How are you, going? All good. And the reason I say I will probably not invite you a year ago is because I believe that in this SEO industry, you're probably one of the most polarizing person. You have people that absolutely love you. And you have people that have emailed me that they didn't like you very much. <laughs> and, and but I think it's quite interesting, and you definitely have opinions that differ from you know what most people say. And one of the things that we had when we started Atari Hacker is we do come from the Grey Hat community, except we haven't done Grey Hat for a very long time at this point. But what I really liked about the Grey Hat community is the practical aspect of it. And back in the day, you would read the White Hat blogs, and they'd be like, "Oh, great, great content, and links are gonna come. And it's all gonna be magical." And then you go on places like back in the day, Wicked Fire and all these places, and you get much more actionable things. And so when we started Atari Hacker, my idea was like, I want to bridge the gap. Basically, I want to do white hat, but I want to be actionable. And and I honestly, I feel like we were more edgy on that side when we started Atari Hacker than we have been in the past six months. And that's one of the things I want to do. I want to jump back into looking at what you guys do and learn from it. So that's one of the reasons I invited you on this podcast. Despite the fact that I know some people will message me and be like, you should not invite that guy. But I'm still excited <laughs> to learn from you. So that is my goal today. My goal today is actually to ask you a bunch of questions. And we're going to focus mostly on on-page. I know you wanted to talk about link building. And honestly, we should do another podcast about this. Because I'm also yeah. interested in how you do this. But yeah, I really just want to learn a lot from you. I want to like see how, how the Grey Hat thing does things and how, like, what your experiments got from you, etc. Like, I learned so much from that when I did it with Matt, so I'm quite excited. My dignity, for those who don't know. So I'm quite excited about that. But before, for those people who don't know you and who don't really care about my own intro, can you introduce yourself and what you So I'm Charles Sloat. I'm an SEO from the UK, though I currently live in uh, Chiang Mai in Thailand. And I have... For uh, I've kind of diversified myself over the years and changed and swapped between different things. I first started out just doing affiliate, then I opened an agency, then I closed and sold the agency. And I went to affiliate again, and then I eventually ended up where I'm kind of in the halfway point of doing a, a load of affiliate stuff and also running a very specialized agency where we mo- mostly focus on e-commerce SEO. But I've kind of stayed to whatever has worked at the time where some people maybe in between the years of like 2010 and 2014 may have been very against what I was doing but at the end of the day it still works and and it still put money in the bank in comparison to what they maybe thought was the right way but I think their opinion is based on what Google has set out and in my eyes and in my opinion Google are not your friends in SEO and in their business model it's quite against what SEO is literally the opposite of what Google wants for people to be able to spend the money on. They want you to spend money on the ads. So why would you listen to Google for ethical guidelines in an industry that they don't want to exist? Yeah, that's fair enough. It's kind of like they give you a watered down version of SEO so that you can spend your energy elsewhere or they don't get too much results. But I wanted to know just to dive back into your business. Well, what percentage of your business is affiliate and what percentage is affiliate these days is a agency these days? And how much time do you spend on each? 
So it's pretty 50-50 at the moment in terms of my earnings from agency and affiliate, but I spend a hell of a lot more time on my agency. I do think that's because it's a more long-term approach than affiliate. And it's also building me into positions that I really don't get from having an affiliate stuff. But it's also actually, I think the agency has played a bigger role in helping me in my affiliate stuff than anything else has because it's allowed me to basically delegate more tasks to people and learn how to actually give away more than I used to because before it would just be me kind of sat in a room for 10 hours and just (laughs) no social life, just smashing out as much work as I could possibly do to build up something on my own and being very scared of working with other people. And I think owning and building an agency has actually kind of brought me away from that and brought me to be able to share more with people and stuff. You know, that's kind of funny because we kind of did the opposite with Mark. We actually had an agency for four years and we sold it. And now we're just doing, I mean, it's not just affiliate. We like also have our own funnels and this kind of stuff, but we mostly run our own websites. I do agree that the agency experience gave us a lot of experience in hiring people, even though honestly, I feel we can still do a lot better. But <laughs> but I, I get the idea of like locking yourself in the cage and just working for 12 hours and, and not doing anything else. You said something about affiliate marketing being less long-term. What do you mean by that? So in my experiences in affiliate, it can be, you can work with a company for, as an amazing company, you've got a really good relationship. You're sending them tons of traffic, tons of earnings, et cetera. And the next minute they can go bust. They can screw you over. They can say that they don't want to work with you anymore. They can, there's a multitude of reasons of why just the offer alone, not even when you're talking about the sites and Google and Aragon updates and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, just the products alone that you're promoting you don't have any contracts with affiliate stuff. And it's very, very hard to ever get a contract in, in affiliate work. And you don't have any guaranteed income. Whereas with agency stuff, I've put, I have 12, 18, 24 month contracts in place to guarantee my income for the next time, for the next amount of time. Okay. I know that basically the way like small affiliates or people who start with affiliate or people who do affiliate but hate the, the precarity of it go, they either go for the agency stuff or they create their own products. Yeah. Why didn't you go for the products? Because all of my family are from an entrepreneurial background and all of them, are, my parents are actually um, wholesale manufacturers of furniture in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the amount of stress and the amount of work it is okay, <laughs> manufacturing <laughs> anything. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, fair, I get it. I mean, we've done some physical products. I know a lot of MBA guys as well that really struggle with the factories in China sending stuff, etc. I get it. So let's jump into the on-page stuff because that's kind of what we're here for and we're already six and a half minutes into the podcast. So, and I hate talking in a vacuum. So yesterday I asked you to check out Health Ambition and I know there's plenty of mistakes on Health Ambition. And I mean, we say it basically every week on this podcast. It's much better since the redesign, but honestly, like we haven't written our title tags. We haven't done a bunch of stuff. And I feel sometimes the site structure, we could, we could talk for ages about it. So I'm quite interested in if we talk about something and you're like, oh, this is what you do on Health Ambition and you know, maybe I would do this instead, then I'm quite interested in you putting this forward if you want to. But before we get in, I know you, you guys are running a lot of experiments, etc. And can you tell us a story of like huge gains you would have gotten from just on-page optimization in a campaign? On my agency, we actually had a client that their domain was from 1998 and their previous SEO agency had done loads of stuff for the site. They messed up an SSL installation. They'd done various things. And we actually, all we did was essentially change. It's, it's, I'm saying all we did, but it, it takes a considerable amount of time. But all we did was change the entire structure of the site. We redid internal linking because at the point that their number one internal linking, which was to one of their category pages, had 254 internal links of the exact same anchor text. 
which coming from various other pages, and those are contextual anchors as well, because I think their writers had just been trained to kind of stuff links in wherever they saw a keyword. And there was also pages that had got the exact same anchor text on blog posts, for example, that the exact same anchor text, the exact same page, but repeated 12 times in that blog post. So we went through, we, we got rid of all those internal linking and we and custom did an internal linking spreadsheet so that we remanaged all of the internal links from over 100 blog posts that they had on the site already. We also redid an entire blogging campaign. We also did the, uh, the, redid the site structure. So before it was a lot of numbers and things in the URLs that didn't have any specific, the URLs you couldn't tell you what page you're on if you were purely looking at the URL. And then the meta titles were just kind of all over the place. They weren't auto-generated. They were just whatever person who had built the website at the time thought should be in that meta title, which sometimes looked completely out of out of touch. So we went through and did a custom reader of the meta titles where we had the branded at the end. And then we just had a, a custom meta title from the beginning of the meta title uh, to the end. And then we redid again, uh, the entire site maps, made sure that they actually had site maps implemented, because before they had a site map, but the entire site is 10,000 pages. And they put 10,000 pages in one site map. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine that site map was about 100 megabytes or something in particular. So we re- we went through and redid all the all the site maps into each individual ones for categories, for products, for blog posts, that kind of thing, and and just made sure that all of it was all of it was kind of conforming in a good way. And that all, all that took was two hours or uh, sorry two weeks or three weeks of actual manual work to go through. And literally, we had to rewrite about a thousand meta titles by hand. And obviously, that's pretty difficult to do when you can't just go through and automate the entire thing. But in the in the end. Um, they they previously dropped by 50% organic traffic in the last two months. And we actually managed to get them 173% jump in organic traffic week on week from, from that previous week. Just a question. Well, can you give us the, the traffic number they had at the beginning and the end? I can't give you the traffic number, but I can give you the, the pounds number. They did about £29,000 in revenue from organic searches. And I think the month after, they did over £100,000 in revenue. Okay, so that's significant. because The reason I'm asking is because I see a lot of SEO case studies where it's like, oh my God, plus 150% search traffic. And they went from... <laughs> 29 visits to 56, you know? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm not that impressed by that. But like, like, this these, starts, the revenue numbers are great. Yeah, we're on a revenue share basis with them as well. So we get a percentage okay. of their overall revenue per month. We charge an upfront fee whenever we take on a client. So that's for the initial, all, all the initial work that we had to do on that site, as well as the initial link building and that kind of thing. But we actually do monthly fee. Generally, we just do a revenue share. With this specific client, we also have a small link building budget that they give us on top of that. But most of it is purely revenue share. So the more we get their revenue up, and generally it costs us less to get the revenue up via on-page because it's purely time than it does to build it up via link building. So we actually see a more profitable win from when we redo the on-page in comparison to any link building campaign that we've done in the last year or so. I'm going to give you a trick for a campaign we did a long time ago. Literally, that's like five years ago or something. Expedia Australia actually hired, her, hired us for like a tiny on-page job. It wasn't a big thing. We were not like the SEO agency of Expedia Australia. It's just, you know, we got passed on, et cetera. But there was 100,000 pages that did new meta title. And it was basically, I calculated the hours. And it was like hundreds of hours. It was literally impossible humanly to, to do it in the time that we had. And what we found as well is, is that we hired editors. And then we asked MTurk people to write titles based on the keywords that were associated to a page. And editors were just going through the spreadsheets and editing like 
15, 20, 30 titles a minute. And that was the only way we managed to do this. And it's like, I mean, that just reminded me of this, but what I really like about what you said is a lot of manual work went into that because I know a lot of SEOs are all about automating everything, but I think sometimes just like sitting down for a week and just head down and just figuring out manually what you have to do for this kind of stuff yields much better results. And the first thing you mentioned, sorry, you wanted to say something? So if we hadn't manually rewritten those page titles, I honestly would say that that, that campaign would have been worth you know, £10,000, £20,000 a month less in revenue, purely because what I teach my guys is to run all of the, all of the pages that we're rewriting the meta titles for through Ahrefs and see what the current ranking keywords are. And you'll find out that some niches, some keywords, et cetera, have different variants. So buy might be a really big keyword on one of them. Cheat might be a really big keyword on another. That The online might be really big in this space, but really small in this space. And making them go through and check what keywords are actually big in those niches has added a ton of value onto those meta titles purely because those pages are already old because the website's 20 years old and the site's already got a ton of authority because again, it's, it's 20 years old and 20 years is a long time to gain links. But, but purely having them rewrite those titles in comparison yeah. to just doing an automated one was had a massive impact on the overall campaign. Uh, yeah, and when you actually pick the keywords you're going to put in the title, do you look at what keywords the page actually ranks for or are you just purely basing it on search volume and opportunity? Yeah, because I don't think uh, MetaTitle has a huge amount of impact on the overall site, I just look at what it currently ranks for and then I'll make it that little bit more improved to rank for that keyword. Okay, that's <laughs> perfect. You, the first thing you mentioned when you talked about this campaign was uh, internal linking. And it's something that basically everyone has their own little secret sauce of doing internal linking from automated WordPress plugins to using Scrapebox to run advanced search queries on, against your site, etc. I want to know like how you do it. So I, I have a really quick and easy uh, methodology. What I'll do is I'll just export all of the all of the keywords. So it's well, it's actually not that quick and easy thinking about now. I'm explain. <laughs> so what I do is I get a list of keywords for a target page, and I'll build an internal linking spreadsheet where basically for each page that I am linking to on a site, I'll have a different keyword every time I want to use an internal link to link to that page. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll run through Scrapebox and export the... I'll do the site operator for that site and put in those varying keywords that I want to link to. And I'll run that through Scrapebox. So I, I, it comes out with, say, 30 pages that I can link from that have those variations of keywords on the site. I'll make sure that there's no duplicates in there, etc. And then I'll literally sort them into HF, do a batch analysis and see which ones have the most, the highest referring domains, and then internally link with the highest power keyword that I have from the highest referring domain page back to my, my money page. And that basically means that I have the weakest pages in terms of referring domains, have the weakest keywords that I want to rank for, and the strongest pages that I, that I want that will pass the most juice to my page have the strongest keywords that I want to rank for internally linking to it. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Do you reuse the same anchor text twice ever or do you always try to make them unique? I always try to make them unique. There's sometimes that it does happen just because it's SEO and you're managing so many thousands of pages. But generally, I'll try to make sure that it doesn't overlap in any anchor text. Okay, I think that's pretty clear. How about navigation, sidebar, footers, all that stuff? Do you play with that for internal linking? I, I think Google has got some way or has figured out some way anyway that to kind of uh, negate any of the internal links from, from the side, from the uh, navigation stuff. But if it's tons of links, especially in the footer, then I will try and, you know, shorten them down. But I think that's become kind of a standard across the industry that generally the clients that we've had or we take on have, have been in business for a period of time now that they've dealt with previous SEO agencies. So it's just 
improving on what has already been built upon. So generally, there's not a huge amount of sites out there that have you know 50 links in the footer or anything like that. But if there are, I'll try and remove as many as possible because then it is obviously lessening the amount of links to the page. But I don't think that Google takes into consideration a huge amount non-contextual link. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, but like a lot of people care about the amount of clicks you like a page is from the homepage or something like that. Is that something you look into as well? Yeah, we don't we don't look at a huge amount of CTR from homepage and things like that. I think it's I think that's a bit beyond Google's actual algorithmic scope, which is kind of another okay, talk. Okay, that okay. I, yeah, another talk that I might. Yeah. Okay, fine. Let's not expand this too much, otherwise we're here for two hours. You talked about titles earlier, like how you were rewriting titles and so on. And we talk mostly about, about rankings, but a lot of SEOs now really focus on click-through rate as well when they write their titles. Do you look at this at all? Not really, no. I, I think I don't see a huge amount of correlation in terms of bouncing back onto the cert from Google side, unless it's in massively competitive niches, unless it's in niches that Google can spend or kind of have to spend a lot of money on controlling. I don't really see a huge amount in CTR in comparison to just ranking for those keywords, which I think that the title can be a, a way to rank for a bunch of keywords. I actually agree with you on this because it's like bouncing back on the search result. It can mean two things, right? Like even if you go fast, it can mean you either hated the page or you found what you needed really quickly. And how exactly. does Google know that, I guess? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know the bounce rate is a huge debate. Actually, I'm not sure I want to open this right now. But yeah, it's like, I do agree with you. How about uh, schema markup? Like I know, I mean... I know in the affiliate world, schema markup, especially style ratings, are completely abused for any keyword, etc. So I guess maybe you can have an answer for your affiliate sites and for your clients. So for new sites from affiliate, I've actually found putting on tons of schema to be kind of negatively impacting new websites. I think that's because mm-hmm. Google's kind of analyzing a new site much more so than it is an old page or old site. And I think that's more to do with the fact that Google's kind of looking out for SEOs that are just entering the SERPs and trying to make it as difficult for them to rank as possible. So I think one of the ways that they can do that is find pages that have got tons of schema because the only people that... It's, I haven't come across many developers that truly know about schema unless they're very on-page focused developers, which most people who call themselves developers won't say they're front-end developers anymore. And so, so I think brand new sites, it's it kind of actually negatively impacts you if you use a ton of schema. But I think on older sites or sites that are kind of three years plus, you can actually it's actually a very good upgrade to do on current pages just to add in more schema. And it also gives it that fresh code kind of jolt that Google looks for all the time when they do fresh scans. Well, that's actually a really great transition because one of my questions was about published dates. So like, it's like, it's not something I've done recently, but when I was doing, doing dirtier affiliate stuff, one of the things that worked really well for me was refreshing published dates all the time. And literally every week I would just refresh my published date. And I see that, I know that Diaper as well mentioned, like, you know, they, he puts this updated on and he puts the date and not... Because he mentioned it, I see so many affiliates are doing that everywhere. Yeah. Do you play with something? I do, but I think it's more just refreshing old content that could be expanded. I think it's that definitely back in five years ago or whatever, they, they have it because Google's actually got a ton of patents around freshness. So there'd be no reason for them to not use the patent technology that they have available. And I think it's a very obvious sign of especially for certain SERPs, seasonal SERPs, that kind of thing. If you're looking at Christmas and stuff, people are going to be wanting Christmas this year, mm. not last year. Fashion, that kind of thing. There's, there's certain niches and certain SERPs that I think Google have tweaked the algorithm to target that are more focused on freshness. So I definitely think it is, it is a factor, but I do also think that you can't just change the 
change the publish date and you'll suddenly hold up your rankings. But I think if you actually change the content and change the site and make it a different page than it used to be, and then also update the, con- the, the publish date, then it's definitely a ranking factor. Okay, how much do you need to change the content to see the chat? To be honest, from testing and things, it's just a paragraph or so on old pages. But realistically, if you want to get a, a, a stronger ranking for a specific keyword, it's still the exact same as building a new page. You still want that page to be better in terms of SEO, in terms of content and that kind of thing, than the current pages that are ranking. So I think if you're just going to change the date and then rely on an extra paragraph and a SERP that has got a lot better content than yours and a lot better pages than yours, then I don't think that you're going to probably rank for that at all. Okay. And... Another really good transition here. So one thing that we're kind of like changing in our business with Mark is that, and if you check health ambition, you'll see some exa- a really good example. It's like we used to run a content meal, right? Where we would publish, some weeks I've published 60 articles on health ambition, right? 60, 70. So a lot of content. But the truth is a lot of it just doesn't do very well. And right now we're kind of refocusing our effort onto making the pages we have better and trying to make them rank. and less on creating new pages and new content. It seems to be also, I mean, I see more and more people kind of going that way and finding out that updating old content seems to have higher return than creating new content. What's your take on this? And have you changed your strategy recently? Yeah, I I, I definitely see changing a current page that's pre-existing and Google has already seen. That has a lot a lot quicker ranking effect than creating a new page does. But I think that's kind of obvious from Google side purely because if you have a, a page that you've already crawled for the years, it's already got traffic, you've already seen that it has the ability to convert or that kind of thing, then I don't see why you'd rank your brand new page in comparison to something that's improved over time. So I think definitely updating old content is a lot quicker ranking factor and a lot, a lot quicker rankings than creating new stuff is. Is that what you do most of the time these days? Yeah, especially for client stuff, we just look at what they already have and try and build as upon as much of that instead of just building up new stuff, unless they really, really require new pages. We try and build on what they currently have rather than expanding new stuff. And also a lot of people, and I, I haven't heard so much about it recently, but for a while it was kind of the trend of like deleting content, like, oh, this content is not ranking, so you should delete it or you should merge it together, etc. Do you go that far or do you just, just try to optimize pages and ignore the other ones we never just delete anything we'll always throw on it because you're potentially losing some kind of value there but yeah I, I don't see the point in just removing content in its entirety i do see i do see the benefits from going through pages especially when you do things like serve log analysis and you find pages that have got very low crawls from google they have very low traffic that kind of thing and then and they don't rank for anything i do see the ability to go in there and then throw it on them because it's a waste of google's crawl budget and whatever John Mueller says that crawl budget optimization is overrated, I think that's a, a kind of a bit of bullshit because if you look at the the whole Yoast fiasco when they did the plugin stuff, that's completely uh, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> completely related to crawl budget optimization. So for them to say that it it isn't a, a real thing is just kind of absurd. Yeah, actually, I, I want to remind you to people who are listening. You called. I mean, it was it you who called. I mean, you made a blog post that put together a bunch of complaints about Yoast and Yoast SEO has had a bug recently where every media page would become, every media you would have on your site would become its own page. So you get a really thin site with a lot of pages without content essentially. Yeah. And that has plummeted a lot of sites rankings. And yeah, Charles was one of the guys that called this out and actually Yoast released a plugin to fix it, but like something like two months later or something like that. What happened? Yeah, it started in March and then my blog post came at the end of May. 
so it was quite ironic actually that my Yoast post, which was only about 800 words in comparison to my e-commerce SEO post, which came out a month before, which was 17,000 words. The Yoast, the Yoast one actually got quite a lot more traffic than the e-commerce SEO one did in the first week of launch. But I think that was kind of showed it in itself how poorly Yoast actually handled the situation because tons of people just didn't find out about this. And from what I saw, it affected a vast majority of the people in my SEO group and in kind of my community and stuff. It actually affected just from the people that I'd spoken to in total, hundreds of websites. And I think if you're a plugin that has found that you've had this problem for several weeks now, that you need to actually kind of expose it yourself or you're just opening up yourself for ridicule because of what happened in the end. And it did tank people's websites and whatever they may say and whatever... They, they ended up getting John Mueller to back all this up and things. And he ended up coming out saying that our oh, core cool budget optimization doesn't have all this effect. And I said, well, nothing else happened on these hundreds of websites other than the Yoast update. Why did they all tank? Because they obviously cannot be all the same with all the exact same problems that this algorithm update has just caused and happened. So in my opinion, that just shows even further and that specific example shows even further that core budget optimization is a really good tactic to use. Yeah, I mean, when I checked the, the fixed plugin they released and I checked the number of downloads, I think it was at like 11,000 downloads or something. And I can imagine only maybe 5 or 10% of the people that have the issue actually downloaded it. But like my problem with Yoast is, to be honest, like I found myself not updating it for a while just because I felt like they were removing features every time I updated it. Yeah, um, they've literally just come out with the new meta title feature, which has the, you add in insert variables into your meta titles, which you have to... Pretty well, you have to just delete them from the start instead of just being able to write a custom S title, which is quite frustrating. So they seem to be updating it with more and more frustrating problems. But that's one of the reasons I've actually moved away from it. And I'm currently using the SEO framework plugin. Yeah, I think I saw you share that. I'm actually testing SEO press right now. And I quite like it. It's, it's, yeah, so it does more or less the same. But yeah, you know, back in the day, you used, you used to have through one redirect on the page level. You could be doing that. Yeah, you could exactly. write your custom canonicals. You can do all, there's all these features that used to exist, that used to be easy to use. And, and if you roll back a year, you'll actually find a plugin that has more stuff than it has now. So they, well, they, they, they moved tons of it to the pro features, then they just ended up deleting a lot of it. And then they ended up consulting with Google on features that they should have and they shouldn't have, which just makes the plugin even less valuable to people that are wanting to actually do SEO. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm literally shooting one of our courses right now and yours was in the previous version and it's not in the new version because I've, I've been a little bit frustrated plus the recent drama has not made me want to invest in this in the future, to be honest. So yeah, yeah. not really my favorite. And we have another cool segue. So you talked about crowd budget and a lot of people would probably associate that with page size and page speed, I guess. So what is your take on that? Should we try to make... Like, how hard should you try to make your site, your pages as small as possible and as loaded as fast as possible? I don't think cruel budget actually has much to do with page size and, and page speed and all that kind of thing. I think it more has to do with the amount of quality pages that Google is actually indexing and the amount of quality pages that Google can run against its algorithm, because those are the only pages that the user is actually going to end up seeing. So I think a lot of pages that you don't need on there that, that the user is going to click through from Google onto are just things like category pages, tag pages, author pages, all these kind of things that the user doesn't want to get on from the SERP or isn't going to ever rank for anything. 
those are the kind of pages that you are wanting to delete. I think in terms of site speed, that's another ranking factor that Google is saying it's not a ranking factor. And then when we actually do change, when we when we've done tests where we purely change the site speed and we've made it two times, three times faster by changing hosts and implementing CDNs and implementing image compression software and things. But that actually, that's the only thing that could have caused this jump because that's the only change we made to the website. And it has seen a massive jump from it. Yeah, I guess it depends on your competition. I guess it depends on all of that. Personally, I mean, at some we've run health in like a million different versions. Some terrible and some absolutely terrible and some all right. But anyway... When sometimes we would just swap theme or swap hosting, et cetera, and we'd see like a 10, 20% increased traffic, which is like hundreds of thousands of visits per month. And it's like, yeah, it, it, the only thing that changed was, was the page speed. But just to go back to the crawl budget, basically what you're saying is it's not about how big your pages are. It's not about page speed. It's more about like how many useless pages you're submitting to Google's index. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's how many pages that Google are running. Google is spending money crawling and Google is spending money running these algorithms against that aren't actually ending up with anything for Google to actually show to their end users. Okay. Talking about that, to not really useless pages, but I guess pages that kind of like hit each other. I want to talk about a little bit about cannibalization, something that Matt Diggity talked quite a bit about when he came on this podcast, and it's something that I've been noticing quite a bit on Health Ambition. So if you check the site, uh, you'll see that essentially... We have multiple subcategories. We do a lot of supplements. We've tried the home gym and it completely bombed. You can go check these pages. We try a bunch of stuff. Some stuff works, some stuff didn't. And when something works, we just go crazy. I just find every single keyword and we go and create content about it. The problem is that, for example, if you take a category like probiotics, like we, I think we have like 40 articles on probiotics or something. Because we have like probiotics for every subcategory, like best probiotics for kids, best probiotics for your dog, best probiotics for your grandma, pretty much everything. And because of that, I feel like if we ever wanted to go and compete for a keyword like probiotics or best probiotics, like the really big keywords for these kind of products, I feel like we never have even a shot. Like even if I made the category page a proper page uh, and we've tried in the past and it's bombed completely. So I want to know what's your take on cannibalization and what you would recommend for people in our situation. So I think in relation to your specific situation, I think what you could do is is use all of those massive pieces of content that you have created around all of these variants of the, of the main keywords and actually use them to internally link back and potentially use them as 301s. Unfortunately, and in, to be honest, in my opinion, there are tons of websites out there that their number one problem is they're cannibalizing things with other pages, or they're just purely doing things in a really bad way. The number one thing that I see is people do multiple keywords of that they're trying to rank inner pages for on the homepage. And that's probably in the homepage mess title, sorry. They just, they put, you know, for example, if they're selling home furniture, they put home furniture, sofas, beds, and bed sales UK or whatever. And then they have a beds page that they can't rank for bed sales UK because the homepage is ranking, but the homepage isn't targeted enough to rank really high for it. So it's ranking number 12. But simple things like that are, are the number one cause of cannibalization and one of the biggest problems that we seem to come across. But in terms of your issue, I think your issue is that Maybe it's in your strategy where you shouldn't just go and fucking go mental and blast a ton of pages at a keyword just because it works, in your opinion. I think it would be a lot better plan to actually go and build targeted pieces of content around it rather than just creating a tons and tons of content. And these, it, these pieces of content, they target different keywords, you know? So oh, like yeah, but, 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 but you say they're different keywords, but do they have, number one, are those different keywords, do they have the same intent? 
So are they just different variations or are they just different keywords because you've got a bunch uh, of keywords? Different keywords. Totally right. it's like, okay. For example, it would be best probiotics for young women or best probiotics for women after menopause, for example. Uh, okay, yeah, but, but, you, but you, right? you, you can put that as a subheader inside of your main women's piece of content, and that will make your women's piece of content three times the size because you have all of these different things. And you can just okay, have a table cool. of contents which causes a jump two in the SERPs. So you'll still rank for those other keywords. Granted, you might not rank number one, you might not rank number two, but you'll rank number three because you still have the jump two in the SERP. The exact same way that Wikipedia ranked for all of these different keywords because they have the jump two in the SERP even though that page isn't completely evolving around that term. And that's the exact, and that's one of the main problems I find with affiliate sites. And bear in mind that that main keyword, that is that four women keyword, probably has 100,000 times the amount of monthly searches that all of these other keywords have combined. Let's imagine that I do that. And then I end up with, let's say, a best probiotics for men, a best probiotics for women, best probiotics for kids. And let's say I do pets, let's go crazy. So let's say I have four pages. Now, aren't these four pages just competing for the keyword best probiotic and probiotic? And don't I end up in the same situation? But they're not because they have a different intent than your best probiotics page. So your best probiotics page doesn't have the same intent as someone who's who's a man searching for the best probiotics for man. So what you have to tell is you have to make sure that that, that Google know that that page has the intent of that one. So you use all of these other pages as the the, um, internal linking and supporting content around it. So what you do is you put your page as www.healthambition.com slash best probiotics, and then you put your four men page as slash four men, and then you internally link it back up the up the line with an exact match or a partial match keyword back to your piece of content, so that you're telling Google that these pages that this page is the one for best probiotics, this one is for men, this one's for women, this one's for kids, this one's for your pets. And you're making sure that Google knows that these ones are the certain ones for those intents. And and that's the and you have to kind of do it from the start because it gets very complicated when you have pre-existing pages and things to be able to do that. That is the scenario that has worked countless times for me when I've done the exact same process on my other affiliate sites. Yeah, I agree, actually. It, that's the way we should have done it, except when we started health, I'm sure we had no fucking idea what we were doing. Um, yeah. So, so and now and now we have a site with like a thousand five hundred blog posts all over the place in our yeah. hands. It's like good, but luck, it's, it's, a good, it's a good problem to have. It just means that it's a ton of work. But it eventually, because you have so much content, if you do do the the improvements on a page or page basis, it does mean that you'll see massive jumps across it because you have so many sites, you have so many pages to optimize. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, it's true. There's, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of work to do. Things like we also have 24 hours in the day and we have so many sites right now. Yeah. But it also means <laughs> that you don't, you don't theoretically have to create any new content because you can just go through and make sure that your current content is so good. That's why I mentioned earlier that we're actually more transitioning to optimizing existing pages and existing yeah. content, overcreating yeah. content. I mean, we have thousands of blog posts. And I think we still have like 400 waiting on Google Drive or something. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I think creating a lot of content and and to be honest it's like it's done quite well for us it's just the question is how do you get to the next level all the time and sometimes i'm like well it might be better to just rank for that one big keyword versus ranking for a thousand small keywords you know mm-hmm. anyway that was my own personal therapy i wanted to ask you does it ever happen to you that you go and try to rank for a keyword and you don't end up getting it at least on the first try and when that happens what do you do yeah, so for clients, it happens all the time because of their developers. <laughs> that's that's what we found out that because we're asking them to do so many changes, and we go in and then we and then they end up only doing half of them, or they do them subpar, or they didn't understand the instructions because they're not SEOs. 
then they just end up messing up the entire site. Or, for example, with a recent one that we've just had, we did really well. We're nearly on target to hit their goal, which means we get a fat bonus. And then we also take them to the next revenue level. But then they decided to redesign the entire site. And because they didn't think that design impacted SEO, but bear in mind, they didn't just redesign it. They changed platforms that they didn't think that they need to tell us because they were just changing the design of the site. So they ended up changing all the URLs, all the pages of the site, resetting all the custom site tools that we've written, deleting all the sitemaps that we've built, and ver- and also not doing any 301s from the old pages to the new pages. So as you can imagine, when we looked at analytics in the morning, their site had gone from 10K a day, 20K a day, et cetera, et cetera, to just boom, like 2K a day, 2K in that day. Yeah, so that's the biggest problem that we have is not anything we've done, but the clients themselves messing up. So that's in terms of the agency world. In terms of the affiliate world, the only thing that we seem to do is that either Google just really does not like a domain and there's nothing that you can really do about it. And it's just something in the algorithm that we've either caused to happen because we've done something too soon or we've done something too late or we've looked like we're manipulating Google. So that's why they just don't want to rank that site. Or we end up over-optimizing things. Google comes up with a algorithm that just goes after like too high ANC text ratios too high internal ratios, that kind of thing. And that causes an algorithmic penalty that then takes a long time to recover from because algorithmic penalties, generally, you have to wait until the next update that changes things to be able to actually get a shot at ranking again. So those are the only two kind of scenarios for agency and affiliate that I can come up with where we just cannot rank for anything. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we had the agency, there used to be a constant war with whoever was in charge for the development of the website. Yeah, And they would always fight any change we want to make and just try to find a good reason why it wouldn't be the case. And I mean, usually my argument to the website owner was like, hey, do you want a beautiful website or do you want to make more money? Yeah. <laughs> Depending on their answer, there was still a client at the end of that. So, so that's, that's what we found as well. Most of our clients, because we've been able to show them two or three months, so we've been able to you know add 50%, 100%, 150% organic revenue to their site, then they're like, okay, yeah, these guys are making us money. These guys are just a pain in the ass IT department. So they tend to listen to us more than they listen to devs. So it's easier to just... And that's another reason why we tend to not go directly through the devs that company because that adds a whole list more of yeah. issues. We prefer going through you know, the, the head of marketing or the head of something so they can go and physically tell the devs that they have to do this change. Yeah, but when you come in, there's definitely a trust building period where you need to earn the trust uh, and get like a quick win for the site. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, a, that's our biggest thing. We try and do the quick wins with like small on-page changes that the devs aren't going to be opposed to, things like mess titles, like sitemaps, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Internal linking, there's no way that they can be opposed because we're not changing anything massive in terms of their eyes, but really that can have a massive effect on the SEO. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the agency game we have. We did for a while, but yeah, it's, you need you need that trust thing. I had a question as well that I forgot to ask earlier. Do you believe in keyword density? Do you believe in TFIDF? Do you believe in LSI? All this stuff. Like, how do you do this? Using TFIDF has definitely had. We've definitely seen improvement. I don't believe that you, there's some golden ratio of of keywords or whatever that Google's in, incorporates into it. But at the same, there's no keyword golden ratio. That's what you're saying. <laughs> no, <laughs> not not in my eyes, no. But okay. But, but at the same time, you have to also remember that it's still an algorithm. It's not a person looking at the content. So there's still going to be things that Google are tuning the algorithm towards. So there is going to be some some level of maths involved in what Google is looking at, but on in terms of the content content in comparison to what a human would say is, is the best. So obviously things like TFIDF, they're the exact same 
algorithms that Google are incorporating into their algorithms. So you're kind of just reverse engineering what they're doing. Okay. So uh, one thing that Tim from Ahrefs really focuses on, uh, we talked a lot about that, is just trying to hit every subtopic that the top 10 pages talk about for any given keyword. That goes a little bit beyond TFID. Do you do that as well? Or like, what's your opinion on this? Yeah, in my opinion, I don't try to copy exactly what our competitors are doing i just try to so i in terms of looking at the top 10 pages i would prefer to look at the related terms at the bottom of the SERP than looking at what my competitors are doing so i'd look at what google is saying is related to this topic rather than what a competitor is using what do you mean when you look at what google says about this topic so when you go to the bottom of a search result and you see the related terms in the bottom of the thing yeah i just i I prefer looking at that or looking at the the, I, i tend to think I tend to see that autofill is more human generated and related terms is more algorithm generated. Okay, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask you a question, sis. Obviously, you're, you, you come from a gray hat background. I was going to ask for a gray hat on page SEO trick if you have one. <laughs> well, technically, internal linking is a gray hat on page trick with the stuff where you just make sure that. Oh, come on, come on. Um, like, <laughs> realistically nowadays i'm making my websites look as white hat as possible to be honest the way i've started doing seo for the last two or three years is i've even my link building even everything i've tried to make it look as if if a person is looking at this piece of content if a person is looking at these links that they look real just realistically in the background i've manipulated it as much as possible so i've so things like tfidf are kind of a, a, a workaround things like buying links in the in the correct manner that they're kind of the ways that you work around it but at the end of the day all of my stuff looks clean and all of it looks white hat it's just really not in the background yeah fair enough i was actually gonna give a gray hat trick that i had um okay. i'm not sure if it works anymore but here's the deal you know how rel conical works right so rel conical is basically a soft swirl and redirect yeah. from saying hey you should probably rank this page instead this is just a duplicate of that right so what if you put together a really cool piece of content and we do outreach link building, right? So you could, you could build great links to an easy, high value page. And then after that, you were building a similar page, except on top, you're putting a bunch of call to actions to whatever you're trying to sell. And you had a rel canonical from the page that you were building easily and putting it to that other page. Okay. You're still having that page existing, but you're not it's doing that. basically you're cloaking for search robots, you know? Okay, yeah, that makes you sense. Think you so think about it. You think about it. is literally cloaking for search robots, except they have an algorithm to make sure the pages are kind of similar. There was a recent negative SEO methodology that it, someone posted about. I can't remember who specifically posted about it, but someone was literally copying someone's website and then putting a canonical back and then just spamming the hell out of that domain. And it oh seemed to have God. some kind of an effect in, in Google. I can't remember exactly who wrote that blog post, but I'll try and find it so I can link it for you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's like a real canonical is completely broken. Yeah, um, 100%. And, if, and it hasn't like, been affected for so long because it's... Yeah. You know when it came out, I wrote a blog post on like four creative uses of Nichols, <laughs> mentioning things like that. And yeah, yeah, I got I got trashed a little bit. By See, is, isn't Grey Hat so much more fun? <laughs> but like, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm, I'm not doing it, right? It's like, you can go and check our sites. Like the, the sites we share and, you know, I'm sure some people reverse engineering some of our But that, that's exactly why I don't share any of my websites. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't do that. But like, it's not illegal to talk about it. It's not even, I mean, nothing's illegal anyway. I will admit though that I have kind of become so paranoid that i run all of my affiliate sites off remote desktop 
So I don't run out. Wow. Yeah, I don't use my actual laptop for any of it because I, yeah, I've become a quite paranoid of Google. Just what because of because they penalise my blog and at the same time of penalising my blog, they go after my AdWords, my Blogspot, and Analytics Act. Like they they delete all of my accounts and all my data and everything at the same time. They, awesome. they, yeah, they ban my Google Drive and everything. Like they, they weren't having me on anything at the same time of, of me uh, as my blog got banned. So I, I just don't trust them to not just kind of come after all of my income. So what you're saying is we're in trouble for having you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You've now got a target All on right. your back. Is there anything I didn't bring up in this podcast that I probably should have? Not in terms of on-page stuff. I think that kind of covers mostly... There's tons of stuff that we could talk about when it comes to like content optimization and going really technical with like you know the server log analysis style of stuff and things. But in terms of the overall on-page, I think you did a pretty good job. All right. Awesome. So where can people find you online if they want to check out your blog? Because obviously they can't find it on Google. Um, <laughs> so where do they find it? So yeah, you can you can go to YouTube search instead of Google and type in Charles Lane to YouTube, or you can go on Twitter at Charles underscore SEO or on Facebook.com slash the Charles Float. Otherwise you can just check out my blog at charlesfloat.co.uk because you you can pro- I can I will promise you that I will never try and appeal Google's decision to ban me and I will make sure to call Google out on everything that they always do. Ever. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that was a pretty good podcast. I'm pretty happy. I've learned a bunch of stuff and I hope people learn a bunch of stuff. I hope people don't get mad at me for sharing one great <laughs> trick, but hey, I'm trying to be creative. And when you try to come up with, you know, ideas of how to, on how to do things, some things are a little bit out of the line. It's just like, I don't do them. And then that's it. But anyway, you can find all the show notes and all the links that we talked about on authorihacker.com slash onpage dash with dash charles dot float. Not the best URL, but it's on page with Charles Flo. Just put dashes between the words. It's not that difficult. And thank you for listening, guys. Thanks, Charles, for joining. And I'm sure we'll do another one on link building at some point. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks for joining. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.